play the fight song. Welcome into the Play the Fight Song podcast. Into week eight, we are previewing the next slate in college football. I think we had games Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, all the way through the weekend. Super pump up to get into this one. We're back finally. And after the recap, we have our first preview with Parks and I being back in the rotation. Super excited. We're on a new platform. We had, so again, apologize for all the audio issues. It's not anything that we could control. We were just dealing with kind of at the mercy of a platform that wasn't working for us at the time. So we've jumped using a different one, giving this one a rip. We're super excited about it. Maybe we'll try to do a live stream here in the coming weeks, give that a rip and see how that one goes. But how's everybody doing? Is everybody doing okay? Was it a stressful day? I know Park's probably a little more stressed than the rest of us in some spots, but how's everybody doing? Are we excited for the weekend? Like the slate has very top heavy games and then it kind of falls off, but every weekend of football is exciting. Uh, Jackson state is already starting my week eight off to a horrible start. Just you bet on Jackson start. state. No, I, I bet on Western Kentucky. Seek God. Dude. Jacksonville state. Jacksonville, Jacksonville state. state. The game. See, I, not yet. So much. I don't care. And that's 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 how that's how my week is going. I just kind of no idea last who you bet on. <laughs> no, I know no who idea. I bet on. I just didn't know who I bet against. Apparently, oh, uh, seek help. I mean, that's rough. That's, yeah. If you're betting on Western Kentucky on a Tuesday, seek help. But good for you. He has Sam well, Houston tonight, probably. Uh no, I put some like just stick parlay together of like UTEP. Somehow they're gonna hit all of the unders. And they're still gonna win as underdogs at home. It's, you know, Perfect. it's one of those where you just kind of have too much free time on your hands. You need um, a new hobby, man. I yeah, do. you're sick. You guys started you this. You guys, you guys, read a book. Like, you guys are like, let's, let's start a podcast together. Let's talk college football. What's that like, got to do with you betting on a team you didn't even know the name of? Ah. <laughs> uh, Somebody's got to watch these Tuesday night games. So oh you my, get back and watching, talk about We them. watch the games. You lose money on no, the games. No, free Tuesday you're through lying. Thursday. Oh, you're I didn't lying. bet on a game last night, I promise. No, I'm saying you're lying you that you watch the game. You're such a liar. I no one should be oh watching that. Goodness. I watch, I watch every, every day. Night. That's my problem. I watch both. Dual screen, shout out dual screen uh, with the YouTube TV stuff. Hey, let's jump into some recent news within the college football world. Uh, bad news is that all the news we have is mostly about injuries. We don't have anything good going on. No coach extensions or um, I think our Devontae Walker, him coming back was like the happiest news we've had a little bit. Tanner Mordecai, Wisconsin broken hand out indefinitely for a while. It might be a year uh, or the rest of the year. Excuse me. Brock Bowers out with an injury as well. He is going to miss an undisclosed amount of time. I think it'll be the regular season, possibly getting back for a playoff. If they get to that spot or the bowl game again, you're not really sure depending on how Georgia's season goes. That really depends uh, and carries weight. And when he returns, Eric, all a tight end for Iowa goes down and he's done for the year after an injury and golly jeepers. We just keep losing playmakers on a team that can't make plays. It's, it's credible. I don't know how it happened, but I would doubt a ton of weapons on offense and Riley Leonard, What's the situation with him this week? We'll get into that later. Is he going to play? They're kind of being a little bit secretive with Elko. I think they're optimistic that he plays as they go down to Florida State, but we'll see how that one goes. Just a lot of recent news on the injury front. Hopefully we'll have some better things coming up where we're not talking about the super sad stuff with players missing time, especially stars um, and leaders of football teams. I wanted to are touch we, on something this week. What, Schaefer, what do you we? say? For like news wise, are we getting the college football playoff rankings next week? 
because I they think had it's a after show, week nine. Yeah, they had eight, a show last eight, night. Nine. They had a show, the college football playoff ranking show last night, and I sat there thinking, that's this week? Well, they just talked for 30 minutes about their hypothetical rankings that I just don't care about. So I think it comes after week nine. Let me just double check. Yeah, after week nine. Could be some new. So, oh, so we got two more weeks. So I got to hear Kirk Herbstreet's hypothetical top 25 again next week. Correct. Is that what you're telling me? That's why I think it needs to be moved up. I think think the college football playoff rankings need to be moved up. I don't understand why it's so late in the year, right? Like, we know all these games matter going into it. Why not release it after week six? Nobody cares about the AP poll anyway. It's not respected in in pretty much most facets of media and people who cover the sport. So why do we continue to look at it? Parks, I don't know if you're similar in what I'm thinking. Like, I know we don't like the AP polls, but do you want them to move it up or should it be a year-round poll? Yeah, I think the college football playoff poll is more important, but really until you get like two or three conference games under your belt, which some of these teams haven't, like I know Miami's only played two conference games so far. They kind of got to wait, right? So I I think it gives the AP voters a little bit more time to show us how dumb they are. And, uh, but it would be nice to have a college football playoff poll a little earlier, but I get it. Yeah, I, I kind of am with you on that. It, It does make sense. But again, I think just all these statistics, it's like, well, this team hasn't been a ranked team at home since blah, blah, blah. Well, how these are based off a poll that really nobody re- likes or respects. I think what my thought process is, is just looking at that and respecting the poll a bit more. Let's jump into the Heisman odds. There's new, the odds are out. It's an interesting little pool of players and who has what odds to win the Heisman trophy, especially after Washington's win over Oregon last week. What I do know is that halfway through the season or a little past halfway, that doesn't win you a Heisman trophy. We've talked about um, September and October Heisman winners versus full year Heisman winners a ton of times. I want to, I'll read off kind of where everybody is in the standings and what the odds are for each of them. And then I want everybody to kind of think what's the best odds? Like what is the best play based on the odds on this? Or would you lay this number or would you not? Right. So starting off, Michael Penix Jr. at minus 130, your favorite to win the Heisman. He is a negative number. That doesn't happen too often where somebody in this early in October is a negative number to win the Heisman. J.J. McCarthy and Dylan Gabriel are tied for plus 1,000. Jordan Travis at plus 1,200. Jaden Daniels at plus 1,400. Drake May at 1,800. Caleb Williams now at plus 2,000, which is just after one week at Notre Dame really hurt his odds. And along with Caleb Williams, Bo Nix at plus 2,000 as well. Where is the value in this? What do you think about the negative number for Penix? What do you guys think? It's a little bit of an overreaction, I think, for negative numbers on Penix. There's a lot of football to be played. Um, Bo Nix at 2,000 is tremendous value, I think, because he was splendid last week. He did had no downsides, no turnovers. Like, Penix yeah, had a I don't turnover, think he, but I think, come what on, man. What for him is team lost, but they can still play their way back in. Like, you don't walk away from that game and be like, what the hell is Bo, Mi- no, Bo Nix doing? No, he looked fine. Oregon looked good. They just lost the game. Reese, what do you got? I was say, I don't think Penix is value for money. I don't want to put money on guys minus one thirty because no. who the fuck knows what's going to happen later on. Like the guy has an injury or they have one bad loss, all of a sudden he goes way back up there. Like I just don't think the value is there for that. Um, also, people just start saying Penix and not Penix. Like we like some guys on TV need to stop saying Penix. You guys, have you guys seen that Desmond Howard clip yet? Yeah, he says that it was bad. He says that it was bad. It was like, where Reese went. The lights went out on Reese. 
don't know. I don't know. I literally don't know what happened here. What's I don't know what happened back there either. I thought I was scared for. I have like zero. We hear and see you now. We hear and see you. I don't know what you. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, I'll take. Uh, I'll Schaefer, take you the going to your yeah. Race. Yeah, I think Bo Nix, like Park said, um, has great value because he played so well last week, and they can still easily run the table. Uh, and then I would think Drake May is fantastic value for how good they're playing right now. Um, 100%. I I wouldn't see why that team couldn't go twelve and zero. And then honestly, like if they go twelve and zero and they lose to Florida State in the ACC championship, say it's close, but he puts up crazy numbers. Like, so why couldn't he win it still if they miss the playoff? So, oh, see you, see you, JP. We yeah, we just dropped JP as well. Uh, okay, and then there well, and then there was two. Yeah, there was two of us. Uh, let's, uh, I guess, try and dude Parks. This is this is what I do, man. I just take two man podcasts from now on. This is this is I, kind of how I operate. Uh, I'm ready for thing, it. Don't let me back in. The only thing is, is don't leave me stranded because then it becomes a one man show and it it could get ugly here. Do you want to move on to our games before we before we keep going? Uh, yeah, we can hold hold on. It looks like he's joining back. Let's see if we can get a rebirth here. <laughs> Probably. Reborn. That was crazy. I'm back. Don't even worry about it. I don't yeah. know where I went, but I, I went somewhere. I just kicked me off. He went to the cloud, literally. <laughs> no, I I think you were right there, but saying Drake May. I had Bo Nix and Jordan Travis down for mine. I don't know if you guys touched on Jordan Travis in the short little no. stint that I disappeared. I If Florida State keeps winning, right, and they make the playoff, like, his name's going to be at the top of the list, right? As a quarterback, like, what do you think? What do you think it is with the difference between Jordan Travis and Drake May? Do you think people are going to look at a better Florida State team, maybe, or who wins that ACC title game means way more? I think, I think it kind of goes like on name recognition too. Like, uh, Bryce Young was like everybody knew he was kind of going to be the first overall pick in two years, um, and I think Drake May is a name that a lot more people are familiar with in like the very casual world um, yeah. just because of his draft stock and how, how good he's going to be in the NFL. Jordan Travis might be someday, but he's not really in a top one or two uh, round draft stock that I've seen recently anyways. So I think familiar face could, could really be that. And I don't know. I don't know how much, I don't know what goes into factors when people are voting for the Heisman, but for some reason that kind of feels Somebody... like it could play into effect. A lot of people have different formulas, I think. Like a lot of people go on best player on the best team. It feels like yeah. some people just go straight performance for that one person. Some people are very position specific. Like quarterbacks kind of been the rave of the last 10x years or however many other than Devontae Smith, right? It feels like the best quarterback has won it recently. Not necessarily the best player in the country because you could argue there's way better players throughout the country. Um that don't win Heisman each year on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe they're tight ends. Maybe they're receivers. Um, it's just a whole different world out there for voters. Uh, if I was a Heisman voter, I would try to say overall best player. I would try to stay away from by position or best player on the best team. But again, I'm not. I don't have a Heisman if, vote, so my thoughts don't matter. <laughs> okay, so to wrap it up, if you're voting just best player, Jaden Daniels, right? Am I? Is anybody disagreeing with me on that? 
I'd probably take Nick still. Best player in the country is not James. Best player, best player at the end of the year statistically for how well they're playing right now. I think it's Jaden Daniels. I mean, that guy is playing you could say, unbelievable. Yeah. You could have said as Brock Bowers too, with how important he was in all the plays he made for a Georgia team that was struggling. Like if they didn't have him, they might lose at Auburn. You can look on okay. the defensive side of the ball throughout Let's, certain years and be like, it's the same similar thing. Well, okay. I was more like, okay. I thought we were doing a little more realistic. I'm sorry, a tight end. No, I'm, d- win I'm just saying, time. like, if you're if you're going like best player of the country, it doesn't matter position. But I know what you're saying. Sure, like, he's off because they've lost two games, even though it may, they shouldn't be. Yeah, he's he's still putting up numbers. That offense puts up numbers on a ridiculous basis, and they're going to continue to do so until the end of the year. It'll be interesting to see them go against that Alabama defense that has given up shots down the field, but has been stout otherwise. He might throw the ball 65 times and they'd run for like 30 yards total, but he throws for 450. Like <laughs> it'll be an interesting stat line when that comes around. Let's jump into the week eight previews, though. Reese, I think me and you are starting this thing off with Penn State, Ohio State. Ohio State is a four-point favorite at home against Penn State. Let's start the round robin in the Big Ten East. Parks had a preseason prediction earlier that was these teams are gonna go one and one against each other. Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State. It all starts right here. And it doesn't really matter what happens here. It's a second game that really matters for his prediction here, but this will be interesting. Get us going. Parks, you had something you wanted to add in on that prediction. Yeah, but just before we get rolling, I feel like somebody has to mention, is anybody else seeing the human body behind Reese on the wall? Is that a new addition? Or have we just been looking past it? That's that's been there. Okay. There's a moose there too. If you haven't seen that, that's a moose. That's got to be oh, the most random wall of all time. I was like, that human moves? No, that would have. <laughs> all right, all right. But uh, Momentic, no, nothing man, I to add, but big week for the one-on-one prediction. Big week. Reese, do you want to lead us off? I believe you had the Penn State side of things for this prediction, or preview, sorry. Yeah, I did. Um, so going in, I I don't know what you want to call the X factor. Like, I think Drew Aller is... He's not going to go crazy this game, but I think he's kind of the deciding factor for this game. If he's going to try to, if he's going to try to do too much, um, I think it's going to be get to be a problem for Penn State. I mean, he's sixty five percent completion percentage, twelve hundred yards, twelve touchdowns, no interceptions this year. Very impressive. Um, so again, if he's going to try to do too much, I think it's going to put this Penn State team in trouble because that defense of Ohio State is very stout, very solid. Um, I mean, you saw Sam Hartman have issues with them. If he's going to get out of the pocket, try to be a, uh, be a hero, make those big throws. Um, I'm sure we all saw that clip of somebody asking James Franklin, if, should you just throw it deep? Don't throw it deep this week. Don't try to just prove that you, you can do that stuff. Take your take your, take your your shorter throws. Just get some completions. Hand just the ball off to your skin back. crawl. Talking about it. Just throw it deep? Yeah. What if, <laughs> yeah. What if, what if it was a 45-yard post and it turned into 60 yards? Yeah, what if but it's getting just, 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 he just, he yeah. just kept going? He just, just throw it, dude. What, 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 I can't believe that guy was like, I should. That guy formulated that question, thought of that question, and he's like, I should say it out loud to the coach of Penn State University. And he did, he's he doubled down on it. Yeah, he doubles down on it. Um, <laughs> like, like I keep, I just think he doesn't need to be a hero because I don't think McCord on the other side, he's not really a CJ Stroud or Justin Fields yet. Like, He's not going to be a guy who's going to go out and defeat you by making these miraculous throws. I mean, look at what he did against Notre Dame. He wasn't, he didn't have his, any stats to jump off at you. He's had a nice drive at the end of the game, take that team down the field to win. So I think both quarterbacks just got to do what they can to not turn the ball over and give other opportunities because I think 
again, they that they have a very solid uh backfield. They average, I think it's like 200 over 210 yards a game um between Singleton and uh Allen. And nine touchdowns with him as well too. So, what can those guys do to get going? How can they dominate that line of scrimmage because they've been pretty solid there all year as well too. Um pass game can be there, but again, um I just don't think he has to do too much. He's got to just be the guy that they can rely on. I don't got to go Third down, third and ten. I don't got to make a thirty-yard throw. I just got to get to the chains. I got to do. I got to do little things at a time. So that's my thing with him. Because I mean, their defense also is very solid too. I mean, you're looking at Kaylee King, Johnny Dixon, Cam Miller are all pretty solid um, defensive backs for this Penn State team, who I think is first in the nation in scoring defense. I want to say, like how much they're giving up. It's like eight or six per game or mm-hmm. something like that. I want to say. Um, and they also have, I think it's a 49 percent completion rate that they're allowing their the opposing quarterbacks because they're so physical and they're so dominant up front. So what can they do defensively to keep getting to McCord to not let him get those throws to Harrison and those guys that are just going to be kind of open as they go? What can you do to pressure him, get rid of the ball quickly, get out of the pocket, make him throw on the run, make him uncomfortable. So that's, that's what I got so far for this Penn State team. Yeah, I'd agree on a lot of aspects of that. I think you hit the nail on the head um, talking about the defense and the defensive front, the physicality they bring. Let's talk a little bit about the Buckeyes, right? This team has come out slow, it seems like, more often than not on the offensive side of things. I'm not talking about the defense. The defense has been good, but they have been slower offensively getting McCord going, getting the running game going. That needs to kind of change. I don't think you want to get in a spot where you're you're coming out slow and maybe your defense doesn't show up as well. Maybe Penn State has a play scripted in that first series that pops when it gets a quick field goal, right? You need to come out a little bit speedier and kind of settle in faster. Like let's let's get our feet wet. Let's settle into the game, get the first hit and settle into a game. They've come out slow and I just think that's one thing to pay attention to. Uh they avoided the slip up spot last week with Purdue. They were ready to go. I thought they'd look ahead to this game and just not show up last week. I think they got healthier after last week. I know there's T or like Ibuka, uh Henderson, Williams all kind of sat out that game. Very different injuries, very different circumstances but they got healthier and they won that game handily and gained a little bit of confidence. Any game McCord can gain confidence in is a huge boost for the Buckeyes. Defensively, they rank second in the nation in yards per play, giving up four, 22nd in yards per rush at 3.1. This defense is good, and this is not your average Ohio State defense. Like, if you think about a year ago or two years ago, we're like, roll this team a top 50 defense. Well, now they're sitting in the top 20, top 25 of a lot of these statistics, right? They're doing what Ryan Day needed them to do. The Jim Knowles hires paying off. They're sixth in yards per completion and sixth in completion percentage. It's going to be tough to tell Penn State to go on the road and run the ball well. And then you now have to get Aller comfortable on the road in his first really big environment, first big game of his career, right? That's going to be tough. That'll be a challenge for Penn State. I think Franklin will have something schemed up early to get a couple under his belt, quick completions in and out of the pocket. It'll be a ton of fun offensively. McCord's already shown that he can go win a football game for you, which I think is huge. Now he gets to play at home. That'll give him a little more confidence. Henderson Williams didn't play last week. Igbuka is questionable. We're going to need to know that status a little bit more. You're going to need your top running backs. You're going to need one of your two big playmakers at receiver to really make the kid feel like he's got places to check the football down to. This is where I think Penn State has an edge right here, right? The defense or the offense for Ohio State still hasn't figured out the run game. Like they're hitting big shots on the field, but that's because they have Emeka Abuka. That's because they have Marvison Harrison Jr. 
the rush is 68th in yards per rush. It's not good. Like they are not running the football well. No matter who in the backfield it is, that's why they need their superstars there. So this game is going to be interesting for me. I took the first quarter under 10 and a half. Um, the game line fell quicker than I could get to it on the sports books. But what do you guys think? Let's go into prediction time. Parks or Schaefer, since you guys haven't touched on this game, what do you guys think of it? Schaefer, go ahead talk about it. Two quick points. Um, when Day was asked about Henderson, Williams, and Ibuka, um, he said, I'm not going to get into all those guys, but hopefully we'll have all those guys back for Saturday. My guess is that one or two of them will be playing. I don't I think, think you'll get Williams back. I don't, I don't think I think Ibuka is the bigger injury. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of was this more of a question, like keep him off. Kind of reminds him. me of a Jackson Smith and Jingba uh kind of scenario from last year. I, yeah. I think he's the guy that's not going to show up on Saturday. Um quick point, like I'm just looking at the Penn State receivers, which one of them can be a playmaker for me. Uh Keandre Lambert Smith, Theo Johnson, Harrison Wallace, one of those guys. If you're gonna win on the road, you got to make a big play. Channel yep. your inner Jahan Dotson. Like you're gonna need a playmaker like you're gonna need a play somewhere. So that being said, I love the back seven for Penn State defensively. I think um, Abdul Carter in that linebacker core is probably one of the best in the country. So I will take Penn State in the points. I already did a little DraftKings, um, like got Four it up to half, seven, I believe. With a yes, so I got number. it up to Correct. seven yep. on DraftKings with a boost, uh, and made it basically minus one ten for plus seven on the road. So yeah, that's what I'm rolling with for Penn State. Perks, let's go to you. Yeah, so this is obviously a big game. I already touched on to go in that one-on-one scenario that I set up to t- set up the three-way tie in the East. I really think that Penn State has looked better overall, but they haven't been tested as much. They kind of got into a dogfight early with Northwestern for a while. They did not look good against UMass for the first quarter and a half last week. I think that will be a big piece that they can't get going against Ohio State, where Ohio State will have the upper hand. To fill in my actual prediction, I need Ohio State to win. I think it's huge that none of these East crossover games to decide this are, they're all home and away, home and away. Nobody plays two home games in these three big spots. So I think Ohio State gets it done. I hope they get it done, but it's very important for them to also establish a ground game, no matter who's back there, because you got to be able to run the football, run the clock down, because this Penn State team has offensive weapons. So I think Penn State, uh, I think they'll lose by, Three to seven. I think the line's in a good spot. Okay, it'll be interesting to see where you go on the graphic that we'll release tomorrow. Reese, you want to go first? <laughs> I'm just kidding. We'll get you to Reese's later. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll take Penn State yeah. in the four and a half. Reese always yeah. keeps everybody yeah. around. Yeah. I'll, I'll take does. Penn State in the four and a half. I, for my playoff prediction for Penn State, I think this is the one you got to have. This is the one you have to have. And I think in a lot of times, when people do preseason predictions or they do preseason thoughts on teams and then the numbers thrown out that week right on a game that they talked about in august they're like oh i mean i don't actually think it like no i believe i believe in this penn state team drew aller is gonna have to go through a really good defense i'm not saying it's gonna be easy but i'll take the four and a half with this team i think they win i think they're just going to stifle um McCord and just they're not gonna be able to give up any rush yards they're gonna make it one-dimensional can he make plays through the air they might have to force some things just a couple ill-advised two young quarterbacks going at it who makes a bigger stick I think it'll be McCord due to not having the running game he was hoping for 
Let's jump into the next game, into the SEC we go. Tennessee at Alabama, the third Saturday in October is officially here. Tennessee is Jake. Alabama is Parks. This line is nine for Alabama. Who wants to go first? I'll take the road Perfect. team. Schaefer. Yeah, uh, I highlighted this in my notes, and I really want to make it imperative for any college football fan, casual college football fan who hasn't been paying attention this year. This is not going to be anything like last year's Alabama-Tennessee game. I want to Please get do that not out of blind. the way. Actually, you know what? No, Schaefer. Tell them to blindly bet the over so I can take the under when it gets inflated from people not watching. There you go. Hey, guys, there's going to be a ton of fireworks. Um, honestly, these two <laughs> quarterbacks will probably go first round next year, so make sure you just bet the over because that's love a good it, play. Love it. Now that they already so, bet it, you can go back to reality. <laughs> perfect. Let's talk about it a little bit. When I look at Tennessee, um, the biggest thing for me is defensively, how is this team going to make Jalen – or, yeah, uh, sorry, Mr. Monroe under uh, uncomfortable. Words. Words are hard today, guys. You're gonna have Milton this... and Milrow. It's that's what it yeah. is. Yeah, Milton, Milrow. I started I started flip flopping those two last week, and I think it's still in my head. So <laughs> when you when you look at Milrow, he's everything that he's done this year has been through the air, and specifically like huge gains. Like I think somebody said some stat that he's sixty percent on like over fifty yard completions or something like that, or twenty yard completions. But everything that he does is going to be a big play. So defensively for you, Tennessee is getting pressure on him. You know you're not really going to be threatened by the Alabama run game. Just get after Milrow and like make him complete his five yard outs. Like he's just not a guy personality wise that wants to. I don't think he's mature in that way where he doesn't know how to settle. I think he is big play guy. He wants to throw a bomb through the air or he wants to use his legs and make something crazy happen. Like he's Lamar Jackson or something. I think he's just a little immature in that way, and I think that's where Tennessee defensively could make him force them to beat him. Like McClellan's not the guy I thought he was going to be this year, uh, and I really think you can hold him under 75 yards. Like That's an underrated Tennessee defensive line. Mm -hmm. Offensively, how do you run the ball against this Alabama defense? That's the biggest question. If you've been living under a rock, uh, this Josh Heupel offense lives on running the football. They don't throw for 350 yards a game. Uh, I actually have a stat. When Milton throws for over 30 times this year in SEC play, he's at least thrown one pick. So, like, keep him under 30. I think that's your target number. Limit him to maybe 20, 25 passes, and that means Jalen Wright's going to have to be the guy. Jalen Wright, the running back for Tennessee, is kind of what I thought Jace McClellan was going to be this year. So the roles have reversed a little bit. I think Wright's going to have to get his 100 yards, 125 yards, and Tennessee on the road. When you can run the football and make Milrow work on the short game, I think you can win this football game 20-17. to 17. Um, Not to give away my pick or anything, but I think nine is just too much for this team. And I, I think for Tennessee, just don't get beat on the back end. And I think you'll be just well within that number. Yeah. I'll add one thing to the Tennessee side before we go to Parks here. Do you remember when Tennessee went into the swamp? You can't repeat that. Like yep. You can't get stifled again in the run game the way they did down there, uh, which immediately leads into Parks with Alabama because I'm sure he's going to touch on exactly what we're talking about. Parks to you. Yeah, I agree with everything Jake said. That's kind of I have the exact opposite points. I did mine kind of TV style where you're going to have three takeaways, three keys to the game for Alabama to be successful. And Jalen Monroe, 
Milrow is, is at the top of both of those. Um, starting off, if you look at Tennessee's defense, they really haven't faced a running quarterback all year. If they were to, their best running back quarterback they would have faced is uh, Frank Harris from UTSA, and he didn't play. Outside of that, maybe Rattler, but really he settled into just being a pocket guy. They they have their hands full with this guy because Jalen Rowe is the second leading carrier on this Alabama offense. It's their starting running back, and then Milrow has the second most carries. So you're going to get a heavy dose of that. I think Jay hit the nail on the head. I think Milrow has to be more consistent in his throwing. We've talked about it in weeks past where he'll throw a great ball, and then he'll throw three terrible ones. They're going to have to find success in, through the air against this Tennessee defense. They've shown some very, very bright spots. But then you also have guys like Graham Mertz who had success against them. So I think it, it's a toss-up on paper. I think Alabama is one of the more quiet 6-1 and one teams in the country. Um, maybe there's one other one down on the bottom right of the screen. But 4-0 uh, and in the SEC is no joke. It's still Alabama. They're very, very good defensively. Uh, I think they have to force some take, uh, turnovers for, out of Milton this week. They'll find success doing that. Um, it, it's going to be a close game, man. I think with Bruce McCoy being out, I can't see enough offensive success from Tennessee to think that they can go at this Alabama defense and win this football game on the road. Um, Caleb Downs is great. He's a guy we have to mention for Alabama's defense. He'll play a big role against Tennessee's second-best wide receiver, like I said, because McCoy's out. Leads the tack, he leads the team in tackles, 54 total tackles, two picks, a forced fumble, the guy's next-level stuff. So I think Alabama gets it done. This is a very important stretch in their schedule. They play Tennessee this week. Then they have LSU at home next week in a revenge spot, and then they play on the road against a stifled right now but a pretty talented Kentucky team. So important to get off on a good roll here, and I think Saban will have the boys ready to go. Awesome. Brees, let's start with you. Me and you did not cover this game. What is your thoughts? Who are you picking ATS? We'll throw this on the graphic that'll land on Thursday, actually, when this comes out Thursday. Like Shaver said, it's a lot of points, but I think back to last year, I think this is a spot where Alabama wants this game and they want it really bad. I mean, this is a game where they lost in the last second last year. Getting them at home, obviously big for them. I think it's a lot of points, but I still don't know if that Tennessee offense is going to be able to do enough, uh, especially losing that wide receiver like they did. So give me give me the tide um, at home and give me them to cover the spread as well. I'll go next here. I'm kind of in the same spot with Reese. I've gone back and forth on this game tons. Like I was like, is it my dog's dog? Do I love Tennessee in this spot? Do I you know, understand that Alabama is very good defensively? Now, what quarterback do I really trust? Milton or Milrow? Well, I don't know if there's a right answer in that situation, but I, again, will go with what Reese is saying. I think I'll go Alabama and I'll take him to cover. I just think it's going to be ugly and Milton may find him spot himself in a bad spot and he's causing or throwing picks and turnovers and just can't get his feet under him. Maybe he's just a little too much. I just think this is a bad matchup for Tennessee up to Jake. I think it's just too many points for an Alabama offense that hasn't been consistent all year. Um, and I think Tennessee's defense is too good. So I'm going to take the points, but I'll I'll give it to the home team. I think Alabama will mm. find itself uh, with a win. Hand in hand. I'm going hand in hand there. I think Alabama gets it done at home, but I don't think they cover. I think this is like a three or four point win spot for them. Okay. I, I haven't seen enough out of Milrow. I really haven't. I don't think the country has. It's a big spot for them. It is a revenge game. Brian Den will be ready to go, but I don't think they cover. They'll win the game. It's I feel like this is one of the harder games we've had to really talk about and break down mm -hmm. and then pick. 
especially with the number. Like the number very, is very to me. Very similar teams on paper. Very similar. Yeah. Let's jump into the next one we have here on the docket. The Duke Blue Devils will travel down to Tallahassee to take on Florida State. Florida State is currently a 14-point favorite against the Devils. Again, we touched on Riley Leonard earlier. Let's go to Jake, who is covering Duke. Let's talk about the Blue Devils. What do they have to do to have success in this game? Are they in a bad spot? Like, what's the situation here? Well, if they're without Riley Leonard, they're I think they're in a dangerous spot. Um, I guess I, I don't know how much day-to-day, you know, with college coaches, you really don't know what you're getting get out of it. I don't think going to tell you anything. But I thought with the talks after that Notre Dame game, I mean, everybody was saying like four weeks at least. It felt like it was, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought at least he was going to sit out this one, the NC State game. And I believe, I I think North Carolina was the game they were kind of talking about he might come back for. So to hear that he might play on Saturday is surprising, but I kind of want to cover it because Henry Belvin did play last week. I want to show you guys how, they kind of won for those who didn't catch that game. Um, and it's just it's a tough spot for them. Henry Belvin completed four passes last week. Four passes for just slightly over 100 yards. He had a 83-yard run uh, for their running back for a touchdown. They had one touchdown pass that came off of an interception on the defense. So they had like an eight-yard touchdown pass. And then they also had a 69-yard uh, touchdown pass with two passes on that drive. So like three or four plays turned into 21 points for them outside of that. I'm not sure if they gained more than 50 yards and that might be overstating it. Like they went mm-hmm. three, they went three and out numerous, numerous times. The defense has been rock solid all year. That's the one thing I know that they're going to count on with or without Leonard on Saturday. Um, they turned over uh, NC state four times uh, on their last four possessions on down. So NC state, I think saw the blueprint, saw that that offense wasn't going to capitalize if they did turn the ball over and they just continued to refuse to punt, but they still couldn't convert on that end. So for Duke, I mean, I think with or without Riley Leonard, you've got to make it ugly, capitalize on the mistakes your defense can create. Cause I know that Jordan Travis, I think could be a little turnover prone in some spots. If you really want to make him uncomfortable in this weird game on prime time uh, and the defense, this has got to be the best game you play of the year to give yourself a chance with or without Leonard, especially if you got Belvin, man, this is going to have to, you got to yeah. hold Florida state to under 17 points, 14, yeah, no. like I, this defensive Sorry. line for Florida state's really good. Um, and they're not going to give Duke the same scenario that NC state gave them last week. Um, so that's, that's what I got. That's, I think they're up for a task and you would imagine that Leonard's going to be limited even if he does play. Right. So, He'll be better. Yeah. He'll have a better arm uh, than Belvin will, but I still think either quarterback is not going to be the same. Yep. 100%. I'm with you on that uh, in the fact that what can they give up to win? I, it's not 25. It's not 28. You can't give up that many points and expect to win. Um, I'm just checking something real quick on my end. So this is actually Duke's first true road game. Um, other than playing at UConn, this is like their first big road game where they're going to a place that's actually daunting or challenging to go into. They got NC State at home. They got Notre Dame at home. They got Clemson at home. Um, yeah, as Reese does the tomahawk chop right now. <gasps> Another thing with this, Duke has never beaten Florida State in their 19 matchups. 0 for 19. Seems to be like Tough. 
Florida State's found an offensive groove, and they're just cruising the last couple of weeks. And it doesn't. They've scored thirty plus in each of their games. They've scored forty plus in three of the six games that they've played. They're starting to roll, and I think that's the worrisome for Duke. Right? Is you're you're going up against a very good offense, but a very opportune defense. This defense isn't going to blow you out of the water on the statistics side of things. But like you said, their pass rush is very good. Uh, let's talk about Jared Verse as well as other pieces with uh, Deloach. Like these are guys who can go get sacks. Each of them have above two and a half, three sacks on the year. They are very talented. Back to the offense a little bit. Uh, Florida State does rank outside the top 100 in rush attempts, but when they do run the football, they're top 15 in yards per carry, and that's at 5.5. Like They they don't necessarily need to because they have so many weapons on the outside with Cole, or Coleman and Bell and just a ton of other weapons on the outside, but when they run the football, it is effective and it's to the point they're getting everything they want out of it. Seven yards per pass will help, and... I just think there's too many weapons here for Duke. I don't think they've seen this amount of weapons. Um, you go back to the Notre Dame game. They were really good against that Notre Dame team outside of the one drive, obviously where Hartman took them down the field to win the football game. This is not as good as a running back room as like having estimate at Notre Dame, but it's a way better receiver room and a way better tight end room. It's going to be tough for Duke in that uh, aspect. Let's go back to the defense a little bit. This defense is penalized or this team's penalized a ton. Like eight a game and it hasn't been great and they don't force very many turnovers and like so you were talking about uh a kid that if he plays over leonard like this isn't a defense that's been opportune turnover wise they've just been stout enough they've done enough to stay in games they've pushed teams back with tackles for loss and sacks but they're not taking the ball away from teams or anything so florida state i think is in a really good spot here i think without leonard this is a really bad matchup for duke mm-hmm. if you can't score with florida state you can't beat florida state whether or not your defense is, like Duke's, very good to the top end of the country. If you can't score, you can't beat this team because you won't keep them under – I don't think you keep them under 24, 27, 20. Like, mid-20s, it's over that for me if the team totals around there. I don don't know what you're thinking on that, Jake. No, I I, I like it. I think an under is a great play for that. I want to highlight one matchup you really want to watch. Uh, Miles Jones is, according to PFF, he's the highest-grade cornerback on college football that's for duke so his matchup against keon coleman is like kind of an under the radar matchup you kind of want to watch between those two 100 so i think that's something to keep an eye out for but uh if we're just going into predictions uh i've already taken it give me florida state and give me the points like i, I saw I think, 14 and a half did you get 14 because i gotta make the difference on got, the graphic here i got 14 this afternoon when Chief i when just, i took okay. it Chief i might have just spoiled something for later for himself is that what I put on my favorite bet? I didn't like any lines. Did I put that was my favorite bet? Is it? Come on, Shave. No, oh, I think you did. Oh, that's, that's right. tough. Spoiled it. Come on, hey, hey, I might I might have to get going. So this is actually a good time to this is a good time to highlight it. This is a favorite bet of mine. Like I said, uh, I think if you have Riley Leonard on one leg or you have Henry Belvin out there, I think that JP, like you said, this team is going to struggle to score points. Um, and the reason they run the ball so well, JP, is like. When you have that many receivers, it is so hard to defend the run. Like you can probably put mm. you out there at running back and you're gonna get three yards of I'm carry shifty, because dude. because of how much you can light it up through the air but with these receivers. It's that good. So and you when and out. Tra- Travis can run the way that he does as well. Like there's just yeah, it's gonna be a tough matchup for the Blue Devils. Well then let's jump into predictions. Parks and Reese, let's start with you two. Fourteen will do is the number. Yeah, I think 
if you look at this game, I I don't know about you guys. I'm going to ask you guys this. I don't know if there's a team I've dropped stock on more week to week after week one more than Florida State. Like, have you has your opinion no. only dropped? Right? They are slaughtering teams the last few weeks. I think my stock is right where it needs to be. I think, I think I'm just holding gonna, it. And I think this it. is a good opportunity for them. They took care of their back. Okay. Like they, it seems like they haven't played on a prime time spot either in a while. Um, and you get a, a I think that Clemson game holds a little bit of weight because they were on the road, right? And they probably shouldn't have won that game, but they did. Oh. I think you're looking at Clemson with two losses and like, you know, that's it's one of those spots, baby. I think that I mean that's what brings up my my pick, and I don't know if we've seen a more opposite pick for me if it was the other way around on home and away teams because like this game being at florida state is a huge piece for me along with riley leonard not playing most likely so i think florida state steamrolls them i don't think duke has enough offensive firepower leadership whatever you want to name and this florida state team's got to make a statement because honestly going on the road against florida uh, boston college they weren't good going on the road against clemson they weren't good so thank god they're at home they'll probably steamroll duke here I thought you were about to be the nice guy and take uh, Duke so we could just – all of us can take Florida State and be the nice guy for us. But, yeah, no, we're all going to roll with Florida State here because good luck stopping that offense. They're, they're going to need in uh, – Duke Stevens is going to need an Iowa-like performance to uh, try to limit this team because they're going to score is, a lot. That offense ain't going to do a whole lot. So This is where we get dummied on the graphic, just so everybody knows. We know that, right? Yep. Like, if we mm-hmm. all take Florida State, we're getting Last dummied. time we did all this, right. Louisville – if I die on a hill where I'm betting on Florida State against a Riley Leonard list Duke, I can live with that. I can sleep it. Okay. That's fair. Let's jump into the next game. How about a Cam Rising list Utah Utes traveling to Los Angeles to play USC and the Trojans, who are seven point favorites coming off a loss uh, in South Bend against Notre Dame? Reese, you have Utah. Jake, you have USC. Jiffer, let's jump to you first with USC as the home team and the favorite team. Break that down a little bit for us. What are you seeing with the Trojans? What needs to change? Um, the turnovers. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think you can throw three picks like last week and give a really an offense like Notre Dame just that short a field. Like I don't think Notre Dame would have had as much success offensively had they not had such a short a field last week, especially in the first half where you gave them that many chances. Caleb threw three picks last year in total. He threw three last Saturday. So I think I'm assuming I'm going to expect a better performance out of him. I don't think that's too crazy to expect. Uh, I thought he had a lot of success using his legs last year in that first half of that Pac-12 championship game on this stifling Utah defense. Everybody wants to talk about how good this defense is, and rightfully so. It, It is a really good defense, but this is the best quarterback in college football. I think he pressed too much last week, and I think he is going to learn from that. I I really do. I think, honestly, he's smart enough to know if it's third down, don't force it. Throw it out of bounds, and I don't care if your defense is that bad because go and punt it to this offense because right now Nate Johnson and company isn't proving you anything. I mean, no offense, Jordan. I think USC could hold Iowa under 21 points. I think USC can hold Utah under 21 points. I don't know why that's offensive to me. I've heard everything. Okay, okay, fine. I'm immune. (laughs) <laughs> that's fair okay i was just trying to be nice <laughs> this is how oh, that is nice the... <laughs> he told me the no... worst defense in the I country s- would hold my offense i said no offense like if i say no offense <laughs> you can't get offended if you say no offense you can say whatever you want dude yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really it like caleb 
force force your defense to go against this offense. Like, don't do too much. You're already going to make great plays. Um, you're not going to score 45 points. I don't think that's something you expect. But if you get to 31, 35 points, like I think that you're very capable of doing. Good night. I don't think you're going to have any troubles pulling away against this team at home against a very young quarterback. Yeah. Reese, let's go to you. You have Utah. Do you have anything to refute that? Like, what are you seeing? Well, Utah's won the last three against USC, so Winningham's got his number. Um, so he's got it, got it schemed out, knows what he's doing over there. Um, Jared mentioned how solid Utah's defense is. They're only giving up 12 points a game, 66 yards on the ground, and 211 through the air. So they are more vulnerable through the air. So I definitely think Lincoln sees that, especially having Williams. They're going to take advantage of that. Um, and like Sheriff mentioned, too, he's not going to make the same mistakes back-to-back weeks. Like, I mean, he won a Heisman Trophy for a reason. The guy's pretty good, so I think he's going to be able to learn from that. But this is a very stout defense. He's going up to back-to-back weeks. Um, he just can't turn the ball over. Um, Utah, I'm sure they'll, they'll come up with some new packages, some new schemes for him, make him more comfortable because whatever he did, whatever Notre Dame last week, they want to try to recreate that again as well because he's never done that before. So what can I do to make him do that again, make the same mistakes? So, um, And then offensively, you're talking about, yeah, Utah doesn't have the most electric offense this year, no rising. Um, they're leaning more on Johnson, that ground game. They got 10 yard, ten touchdowns on the ground this year and only four through the year, and they're average, averaging 170 yards on the ground. Meanwhile, USC's defense is giving up 152 yards a game on the ground. So it's going to be ground and pound, eat the clock, don't give Caleb the ball too many times because if he because if he turns the ball over, that's a gift. Don't go try to score in a minute. like They're not able to anyway, but don't, don't, don't go try to score in a minute. Eat some clock, hand the ball off, don't let him get it back. What can you do? Points or points. If you can get a field goal, get a field goal. You don't got to worry about getting touchdowns every single time, but you can get points and keep out of Caleb Williams' hands. You can do that. I think this defense will be just fine. This offense has got to be able to put up. I they, they think they got to put up at least 20 points if they want to have a fighting shot at this thing, 20, 24 points, I think, because USC is going to get get it when they can. So This guy's got the blueprint. Yeah. Simple. I, I kind of see it the right same there. way, though. Like, what else are they going to do? Like they can't, they you don't saw have, him like, throw the crazy. football. He, they cannot. Like, there's no accuracy. Whether that's short, medium range, they can't even. They haven't even tried to chuck it deep most of the time. Last week they was run the football to the ground, like nonstop. Like that's all it was. I think they'll stay exactly with that. And they're on the road. Like it's not going to be any easier. Uh, I'm not saying like the Coliseum's terrifying to walk into, but uh, Parks, me and you can go first on this on predictions. How about you start us off? Seven is yeah. the line. I think the recipe is pretty simple for USC here. Not that the Coliseum is a tough place to play by any means. It'll probably be half full. But I think if Caleb Williams doesn't turn the ball over, I don't see enough out of Utah's offense. I mean, unless they just Army-style dominate the clock, then it could be a close game. But I think USC wins. USC covers here. I'm with uh, Parks on this one. USC wins. USC covers. Simply because it doesn't matter how bad the defense is. I can't can't trust the offense right now. Schaefer, you I can't wait. I can't wait to watch Cam Rising in his seventh year in the Big Twelve next year. It's, it's <laughs> gonna be, it's gonna be awesome. Give me the Trojans. Give me the points. Give me the home team. Reese, I, you right, can save welcome. us. Reese. You can pick them. You're you don't welcome. have to you're save. Welcome. Anybody. I'm doing it. No, I was gonna do it anyway. You're welcome. Oh, Utes are gonna perfect. cover. I don't know if they're gonna win, but give me the Utes to cover. You're welcome. Perfect. What a blessing hey, this man is. That'll move us into our last breakdown or preview for this episode before we get into our other pieces of it clemson travels to miami as a four-point favorite to play miami after losing at north carolina clemson silently has been good and then they did what they did against wake forest last week it was like what's going on 
Parks, lead us off. You have Miami. Yep. So like I said, I went three keys to the game. Number one for Miami is limit big plays. This is a team that struggled with fast-moving offenses. Obviously, you just saw it in the Georgia Tech debacle, how fast Georgia Tech went down the field and scored against a defense that just wasn't ready to go. They have to limit big plays. This Clemson offense isn't a team that has big plays happen often, but their new offense coordinator is a guy who can scheme things up to do so against teams that don't do that well. So they have to limit those big plays. I think my second point is Tyler Van Dyke needs to not turn the football over. They find themselves in a lot of trouble. Last week, he turned the ball over quite a few times. They got manhandled, but they still get their offensive points. It's still a very good moving offense for this Miami football team. Um, He's not bad. He's honestly said that, you know, Utah's only thrown for 10 scores all year or whatever the stat was. And my immediate thought was Van Dyke's thrown for like 11. He's got like 11 touchdowns and and four interceptions or something like that. He's having a hell of a year, but they're just not coached well. I think one of my key points, is if you're winning at the end of the game, Miami, take a knee, <laughs> take a knee. <laughs> and that should be pointed out in the rest of their previews for the rest of the year. I think they're going to have a chance in this game. They've been tested a little bit more than Clemson has, I want to say. Um, I just haven't seen a lot from this Clemson offense. Granted, Clemson's converting third downs under a 50% rate. They're, they're, they're converting like 40% of their third downs. They have to get off the field to be successful. Miami does. And then when Clemson wins, if you go back to their two meaningful wins, you know, they beat a good Syracuse team on the road. Klubnik throws the ball really well. So it's going to be a lot of pressure on this Miami set, uh, secondary to have a good week, and I think they'll they'll be in a, a dogfight here at the end of the game. Home field advantage only means something when you're not playing at the University of Miami because that stadium will be 28% full. So I'm not going to factor that into my decision, uh, but I'll hold my prediction. That's what I got for Miami. Perfect. I'll jump into the Clemson Tigers real quick. Uh, Mario Cristobal still hasn't won an ACC home game. That's something to point out. Another thing I point, wanted to point out, Bud Elliott on the Cover 3 podcast said, Clemson's been blitzed a lot, and when they are blitzed, it's very successful. Like, you watch what Florida State did in the second half versus them, and they got to Klubnik, and they caused problems, and that's how they got that defensive score. Um, you also look at Duke, and Duke got to Klubnik a ton, and they caused havoc, even outside of just the uh, unforced errors that Klubnik had and the offense had. There's teams that are blitzing Clemson, and they've done it with success. Now, Miami as Parks was talking about, is good at that. They are a good defense. They probably will blitz to a fault in some spots and try to force and beat it through the air. Can Klubnik beat him? I don't know. Can his receivers force themselves open? Can they make space between the defensive backs for Miami? That'll be another thing because there's not a superstar at Clemson on the receiver side of the football. Can you get to a point where you're confident in the run game? The run game needs to take a little bit of a step up. They've been good, but they need to be better. 4.8 yards a carry for Clemson and Miami's only given up 3.1. So you're getting two strengths butting heads right there. Defensively, they're good defense. Like I think that keeps going to the wayside because of their record, right? And the Florida State game, I think, skews things a little bit, but we need to understand what Florida State is and kind of how Clemson played most of that game, right? Good run defense. They're giving up 2.7 yards a carry. Van Dyke and that Miami offense are going to try and run the football, but they haven't been super good at it. If Van Dyke can get the run game going and then hit some spots throughout the air, just here and there, right? Just dink and dunk and find holes in the defense. They're going to be a lot better off than if they try to force the issue, as Parks was saying. Very good on the back end. The safeties and corners are good, and they're getting healthier as it goes. I think it kind of comes down to this. Can Klubnik stay upright? Can he protect the football? Can they make sure that he isn't panicked? 
throughout most of it because I know for a fact Chris Ball and that staff are thinking of any way they can create pressure and havoc in the backfield. Jake and Reese, you guys go first on your predictions. This line is four, I think we agreed on, right? Or we agreed on three and a half. Four? Four. 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 Perfect. Four yes, up. please. Four is up. Yeah, I'll take Clemson in this one. Um, I, I, I liked what I saw out of Clemson. I mean, to be honest with you, the last game I think I've seen them was the Syracuse game and that Florida State game. And and really since that, I, I have liked the way Klubnik has played. Um, I think Shipley is is good enough to help him out. Uh, and I, I like the mentality of, of if Dabo does one thing right, I think he always gets his guys going. Like, even though they have two losses already and the playoff picture has been long gone, like you still mm-hmm. haven't seen it quit in this team. And on the other side, I would think that a, a Mario Cristobal team, that team kind of quit in the second half last week. At least it seemed like the air kind of came out of it. But I don't know. That's where I see it. Uh, and like you said, JP, you gave the stat. Cristobal hasn't won a home game. I'm going to keep the streak going. Give me the Tigers uh, at home with the points. Reese, you're up, man. Tigers on the road. Tigers on the road. Sorry. Tigers to win on the road. Yes, thank you. Saying. I'm just making sure. All right. <laughs> there could be more Clemson fans there than Miami fans, so he may not be wrong. <laughs> yeah, there. That's what I meant. Thank you. Everything Reese. about everything about this pick makes me not like it. The fact that Miami hasn't beat Clemson at home since the '50s. Clemson almost beat Florida State. Miami's looked pretty bad the last couple of weeks. I don't know why I'm doing it, but Miami's going to cover at home, even the Hurricanes. He's taking the dog that's been kicked a couple of times in a row. Yep. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I'll, take, down on him. I'll take Clemson in the points. Um, I just think this is a weird spot for Miami. I don't know how confident they're feeling. And I think I trust Dabo more than I trust Chris Ball. I like Chris Ball as a coach. I just think I trust Dabo more in this situation. Park's up to you. Yeah, I think one point I, for, I spaced on mentioning, but we should, is both of these teams are giving up just under 90 yards rushing a game. I think that stat ends this week. I don't think they've seen a running back like Will Shipley. I think Clemson gets it done on the ground, and I think they take this one 27-21 on the road, and that would qualify as a cover. So thank you, Reese, once again. <laughs> Coming Perfect. up 2-0 Let's go. this week, boys. Hey, not a game we're going to break down, but a game that I think we want to touch on after just a interesting week for these two teams last week. Um, Oregon loses in a close one to Washington, and then Washington State gets absolutely pummeled by Arizona. That line is 20. Just quickly, who covers? Do the Cougs cover, or do they go into <laughs> do they go to Eugene and just get spanked? Reinstate Oregon as a powerhouse and a playoff team because they're going to get it done. They're just going to take it to them. This is, this is a stat you guys need to keep in mind. Washington State rushed for 35 yards against Arizona and 12 yards against UCLA. This is a solid... Oregon all, uh, defensive line that's going to be able to probably do even worse damage. Yeah, give me give me the Ducks to cover. Reese? JP? No, I'm taking the Ducks. I love Cam Ward, but God, they are in trouble. This is a bad double punch right here. Are you going for the three-peat, Reese? I'm going to do the three-peat, dude. Washington State almost beat this team last year. <laughs> give me Washington State. In Pullman. A lot different. Situation. Doesn't matter. But- Hey, 20 fine. points. Hey, if Let's... Reese has a week, he's gonna take the he's gonna take the reins. I don't think that one's going on the board, but it's not going on the board. No. If I win, hey, though, it's I... a half point for me. Speaking of games that probably aren't on the board, but would be a ton of fun to have on there. Let's go to our under radar game of the week. Schaefer, you lead us off with your under the radar game of the week. Yeah, this is an awesome uh, big 12 game for me. I have TCU traveling to the little apple. 
um, at Kansas State this week. Uh, two teams that are kind of fighting for that third place spot up there with West Virginia and Iowa State. I think we're going to find out a lot of what both of these teams are made of. Um, I, I noted that the Big 12 has been ugly, awesome, and unpredictable. So I expect nothing less in this game as well. Kansas State turned to its four-star freshman quarterback in Avery Johnson last week where he rushed for over 90 yards and was eight of nine passing. This was a kid from Mays, Kansas that turned down. His top three was Oregon, Washington, and Kansas State. So that kind of tells you a little bit about Email. the kid. He is a dual threat, something Simple. you have never seen with uh, with a climbing offense. It kind of shocks the system if you watch it, but unfortunately, I hate to say it, Shock he is legit. Uh, Treshawn Ward got 115 yards last week. Is that his breakout into his Big 12 campaign? We'll have to wait and see. And then you got backup quarterback Josh Hoover last week for uh, TCU. Threw eight, 58 times, but he threw for over Whoa. 400 yards. And he absolutely, I hope so. He threw 58 times. He he lit up the <laughs> BYU secondary. So two backup quarterbacks, one named a new starter. How's it going to play out this week? I'm excited to watch. Perfect. Reese, let's go to you. Um, I went with South Carolina traveling to Missouri. Um, obviously, South Carolina doesn't really have a bunch of eyes on them. Normally, they're only they're two and four, but their losses have come to Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and North Carolina. So they're battled since they've played some good teams. Um Rattler just came off a game where he had four touchdowns and 313 yards. Um, and that's how the Carolina defense is giving up 320 yards a game in the air. So expect Mr. Cook and Burden and Weiss to take full advantage of that. Um, because Murray's look Missouri's looked very well through the air this year. Um, they had that big comeback win last week against Kentucky. So this is a spot where I think can't be a letdown spot because they have their biggest game next week. They got Georgia. So what can this Missouri team and and their coach do to keep this? program on the right trajectory not have a letdown spot here this is a game they should win if they're going to be going in the right direction forward with this program and being a eight or nine win program year in year out perfect parks up to you yeah you want to you want to find an under the under the radar game i got one for you georgia state travels to louisiana in an absolute g5 battle could have been our g5 game of the week georgia state rolls in a yeah, five and one louisiana is a a four and two team i think it's going to be a a dog fight. I'm not going to tell you who I think wins the game because I'm going to talk about it a little bit later. If we talk about G5 games of the week tonight, tune in. Marshall uh, hosting JMU. Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. Madison. Never mind. Sorry. I'm backwards. On, Jordan, man. Right. First podcast <laughs> you've ever recorded. <laughs> I'm thinking tonight. I'm Thursday, like, wait, that's not happening. Jordan. <laughs> Thursday night, uh, Marshall, uh, James Madison. That's a game you probably want to throw your money on because it's going to be good. Poor James Madison sit atop the Sun Belt, still can't make the title game. Hey, I'll go with uh, the Academies. The first one of the Commander-in-Chief Trophy. Air Force travels the Navy. I think this is the biggest line of the under-radar games. I believe it's a 10.5 or 11 favorite Air Force. Um, Air Force is now ranked at 6-0, and and I think they're like 23rd in the country. And Air Force holds the most Commander-in-Chief Trophy wins with 21, and Navy is second with 16. Air Force won last year. Navy's kind of like in a spot where... They're rebuilding a program. They're trying to new school a couple things in that offense. Haven't quite found the groove for the year, but this is going to be fun. This is going to be a ton of fun. I got a stat for my best bet later as well. Anytime you get to watch service academies, I think it's a ton of fun. It was just a brand of football they play. G5 game of the week, though. Let's go to the MAC. We haven't talked a little bit of MAC. We haven't had MAC in start yet. Toledo and Miami of Ohio, two teams atop their respective divisions in the MAC. This could be a preview of the MAC title game. Both are six and one. Both 3-0 in conference, both 
team's losses are to Miami of Florida, Miami of Ohio lost to Miami, and Toledo lost a close one to Illinois early in the year. This is going to be fun. I think this is a two-point spread. You're going to have a good quarterback in Daquan Finn of Toledo go at a solid uh, Miami team with Gabbard at quarterback. I think he's it's been a there for like – There's two Gabbards there. or three. Blaine is Gabbard, it, Brett Gabbard, and uh, there's a third Gabbard. I'm pretty is this sure. A th- is this a third one or has this been the same guy that's been there for nine years? I think there's three Gabbards. So this is Let a new one. Let me just do one. some research. It's Blaine Gabbard. It's Blaine Gabbard, reborn. Blazer, legend. Blazer. 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 Tyler, Blaine, and Brett. Okay. There's a lot. This is Blaine, but there's three Gabbards. Blade. Does that hmm. make sense, Schaefer? Are you like this isn't um, like a. Are we waiting? Is this like the last one? Hard, is this the last one, or are we getting? I don't know. We, I don't uh, know. I don't know. This. I'm just saying. I think this would be a great game. This is going to be a gonna be the game. Title game. I, unless Ohio comes back and wins that division, they had a tough loss to Northern Illinois last yeah, week. That was bad. That's going to be a some, big game for the conference that's light years behind the rest of college football. I'll tell you that much. Would agree. Would agree. I would play. <laughs> I would play Ohio a hundred times in a row again if I could. I'd play classic, them tomorrow. Classic state fan getting into week eight and nine and being like, if we played them today, we'd beat them. I, I'm just. I'm not saying if. I'm saying I would. I'd say I'd play that team again. Like, What's the difference? What's the difference? Well, if you didn't think like, you'd win. Why would you say I would I, play them? My again? point is, Jordan, the Mac's not very good. Cam yeah. was trying to make me come back on my statement. No, the Mac isn't good. It's not a good conference. It's not good football. I'd play that team again. They beat the second place Big 12 team. What does that say yeah. about them? <laughs> Shouldn't beat Illinois. It's like mm. fourth in the West. What do you think of that? <laughs> hey, let's get into the betting segments right now where uh, all jokes are on us instead of Schaefer in this situation. He's kind of run away with a lead at this point in time with nine points. Schaefer, your honors, you're winning. How about you start us off? I don't know why you went this direction. I'd love to hear your reasoning. First of all, there was nothing to pick. Like there was, everything was terrible. It was a tough week. I feel like it's, there was it's a, a rough dog week. Well, and Reese, Reese has to go ahead and take mine. That that's fine. You're welcome. You know. Reese, yeah. Reese gets the document and immediately puts it everything so nobody takes yeah. it. And he also he also puts in the games that we're talking about so he can just save them for later. Like the first thing we talk about, he goes, "Hold on for a minute." I'm going to talk about it later. <laughs> got to wait on it. Wait for 58 minutes of nonsense. I'll give you the expert's pick later. Anyways, I, I, I've been trying. Like I said to Reese last week, this is a home team play for me. Um, almost a touchdown. Give me Auburn plus six and a half at home. Uh, I think this defense for Auburn's going to give hopefully enough of a fit for Lane Kiffin and company. Uh, Jarquez Hunter needs to get going. They need to run the ball a little bit. This was a team that had a chance to beat Georgia. Uh, I think Jordan Hare Stadium is a top eight place to play in college football. Um, the fans get going for them no matter what their record is, and I think it's not going to change this Saturday. I think this is a good good spot for Auburn to scare Ole Miss a little bit. Parks, you're in second. You go second here. Yeah, so my underrated game of the week is actually bringing me my dog's dog. I'm going to take Georgia State plus the three on the road at Louisiana. I think you got to look at just the quarterback position. I trust Dorian Granger at Georgia State. The Furman transfer has been splendid all year, thrown for over 1,400 yards, eight scores, and only two picks. I think Georgia State gets it done on the road. I haven't seen 
too much consistency from the Louisiana highlights I've caught. Uh, so give me Georgia State. Terrible week for the dogs, but I think I get a win here. Reese. Talked about it earlier. Uh, Penn State plus the four and a half going on the road. Went with two big games back-to-back weeks, but I got to get a team that that's going to have the chance to win the ball game to uh, get myself back in this race. So Penn State. Is that a bad choice? I also took went in the home direction, Schaefer, you were talking about. How about Old Dominion plus six and a half against App State? Old Dominion, very good run offense. App State, brutal against the rush on the defensive side of the ball. ODU poses a little bit of a better defense than what App's seen throughout the year. App is good through the year. Like they have really stayed on that offensive identity they've had the last couple of years. I'll take the home team, though. I think six and a half might be a little too much. Maybe just real inspired. I think App's lost to Coastal last week, really burned the system a little bit for them. Let's jump into best bets of the week now. Who wants to start us off? If you want to go again, let's just go back into that circle. Your best bet of the week is what? Actually, you already told us, but do you want to reiterate? Yeah, I'll reiterate for people who forgot already. Florida State uh, minus the 14. I think this team could cover by scoring 27 points, if I'm being honest. But I think they'll score more. So, Parks. Yeah, give me Washington minus the 26 and a half at home against the official university of the look good, play bad motto that we've come up with. Arizona State, I think they get it done. They keep it rolling. Obviously, everything's the top of the top high rolling out in Seattle. So give me Washington to cover the big number. I laid 28 last year with Washington on the road at Arizona State, and they won by seven. God, that still hurts the soul to this day. Reese, come on, man. I said best bet. Don't make it me breathe again. It's already out there. They're at home. They're at home this time. They were on the road last year. You're good. That's worth 28 points. I'm going back to my bag, bag of betting on really good teams when they play really bad teams. Um, I don't know there if you, you guys remember, but at the, at the beginning of the year, we talked about Math. Virginia, how they were going to be awful. We were right about that one. Do you guys know who their only win was against this year so far? Um, Colgate. Don't ask. They won Charleston. last week. They won last week. Uh, the College of Charleston. William and Mary Tribe. I was uh, going to say Furman. Damn it. And they still gave up 13 points to them. They gave up 49 <laughs> to Tennessee. They gave up They gave up 36. They should have given up negative seven points. That's yeah. how bad that team is. <laughs> they gave up 42 to Maryland. Give me Drake May to have a freaking day here. Tar Heels by a million. Hey, that'll take me into mine. I'll take under 37 and a half. I believe it's down to 36 in some spots. I'm that with you. Service Academy Unders. The principal play, that's what you do. The under in this matchup has hit 10 or 8 out of the last 10. I think Service Academies are hitting at an 80% clip since the year 2000. It is disgusting. It's just the principal of the thing. It doesn't matter what the number is. You get it as early as you can in the week. I sent it to you guys on Sunday. You take the principal play. You take the under in Service Academy games. I got it at 36 and a half. Race, who who we who we siding with on this one? Who are we pulling for here? Neither. I want both teams to lose. Is there a Air like Force a watch party for like when Army plays Air Force or something like that? Air, is there a Air block Air party? Absolutely not. No. Air, not like a block party. I said a watch people, party. A watch party? No, me. That's it. Nobody else really nice, cares. Nice. You should throw Air an Force. absolute banger in the barracks. No. Air Force, Navy, <laughs> or Iraq. Who you two? Who you who you cheered? <laughs> what? <laughs> we're we're like, off the rails. Well, it's, it's off my, the rails. Like, so they, they always like, ask. What is like, going my, on? I was. I think my father came up with this one. He's like, when Iowa and Nebraska play each other, who are you rooting for? 
and he always says Iraq. So <laughs> Air Force that Navy sounds like a Jeremyism right there. Yeah, so Air Force one, Navy, like you that said one. neither. That's one way to make your son make a decision. Just so tell him said, he's a communist and a terrorist. <laughs> so you said neither. So are you rooting for Iraq or who are you rooting for? Here? You got to take not, a side. I'm definitely not rooting for anybody in the Middle East. I'll tell you that much. Uh, my uniform <laughs> you, doesn't allow me to do that. You got to pick a side, Reese. I don't have to pick shit. Right now, pick a side. Who are you rooting for? What if it's for? on the graphic? What if it's on the graphic? You got. We, we got to go to war with on one the graphic, of these guys. I would pick, if it's on the graphic, I'd pick Air Force because fuck Navy. There we go. There we go. There we go. Reese, just let, say go Army, be Navy. Go Army. You guys say it. Oh, be, be Navy. Navy. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Try, again, try again. Try again. Try again. Try again. Yeah. Go Army. Be, be Navy. Navy. Nice. There we go. I was yeah. too enthusiastic. That was the least electric moment in the history hey. of the podcast. Anybody have anything to wrap things up? Anything that we maybe didn't touch on that you want to? I think Nebraska plays Northwestern this weekend. Check out that, uh, the preview that Parks put out on YouTube. I have one out for Iowa, Minnesota this weekend. Schaefer has a bye week this week, so he recapped uh, Iowa State's win over Cincinnati last week. All on YouTube. Very good stuff. Reese, the Q's got a bye week. Do you know? No, they don't. Who do we got this week? Who do they play? Who Who's Syracuse play this week? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> we, yeah, so we're timing it out. We're gonna strip them of his title. Schedule twenty twenty three. Uh, we got. Oh wait, what's what's this week? Oh, we do have a bye week this week. Oh, there you go. All, All right, bye. perfect. Bye. Hey, been a great episode. Had a ton of fun with everybody. Let's have a great week of football. Let's win some money on the side as well. Reese, you take us away. Play it. <laughs>